Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, get it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. And, uh, yeah, please re- leave a review. Listen to it. Download. We're here weekly. And uh, don't do it for me. No, no, no. Do it for, for the weekly uh, guest that, that tells us everything there is to know about the NHL inside and out. He works for TSN as the lead analyst, World Junior, World Championships, as well as um, a lot of the Leaf games. And uh, almost scored 500 goals in the NHL, 18-year career. The great Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? Um, I'm good. I'm in Boston right now. I did the Leaf game, as you mentioned, last night against uh, Boston and flew down here this morning, got Ottawa tonight. So um, it's so much fun to do the games when the games, they just smell more important, right? Like you just you walk to the rink and you're like, man, everybody knows this is important because of one, two, or three reasons. And, you know, so teams are fighting for position. Teams are fighting to stay in. They're trying to, you know, Toronto last night is trying to climb closer to Boston and Ottawa and push away the Islanders and Tampa Bay and mm-hmm. so it's uh, I I just love this this time of year it's it's just a fun time to be doing the games yeah no I, I get it um I watched I wasn't able to watch it with the sound on last night because I do my live radio show for the motocross series on Monday nights but I had it on the the Nessen feed and. They what zoomed. was your focus like? Oh, it was tough, tough. My co-host carried me last night because uh, I was uh, checking it out. At one point, though, they zoomed in on you on the bench. I don't know what they were saying, and, and Bozak was leaning over looking at the monitor, and yeah. I, I don't know what they were talking about, you or well, Bozak. Or... Exactly. For for much of the game, um, right after Soshnikov hit Patrice Bergeron right. from behind, Mm-hmm which was a crappy hit and probably should have been a, a five-minute major. Not a game misconduct, but a five-minute major. And then Bergeron took the two-minute minor, so it would have been a three-minute power play. Yep. In, in any case, from that point on, Komarov and Brad Marchand were <laughs> at each other yeah. the entire night. And they're, I would hate to play against either of them mm-hmm. because they, they're – in a way, I mean, Marchand is more talented, certainly. But they're kind of built the same, you know, mm-hmm. short and yep. stocky. stocky. Yeah. It's like you can't, they're not going to get hurt, it doesn't look like. Um, they drive people up the walls because they never shut up. And so what you saw there was, Mar- uh, Bozak was actually leaning in, looking at the monitor, but he was laughing. I was laughing <laughs> because these two guys were going back and forth. It was like 90 seconds straight. <laughs> and so, you you know, I used to chirp a lot. Yes. You can't, you rarely win. Every once in a while you zip it up. Like the, the other guy has nothing to say and he tells you to F off. Right. And, <laughs> and you're like, oh boy, you really got me there. But <laughs> these two guys were going at it so long, there was no victor. So, yeah. Like they could have ended it by moving two seats to the right. Uh-huh. Or Komarov two seats to the left. But they stayed there, and they were going, and Bozak was laughing, and I was laughing because, like, Komarov it, it was so angry and, because that's kind of his personality yeah, in game. Yeah. And Marchand is just needling away. You know, do you, do you want me to sign a stick for you? Do you would you like my autograph? Um, <laughs> hey, did you guys see that play? And it drives guys crazy. But he's so good. Yeah. He's so good. And Komarov... Like, he speaks, I think, four languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oftentimes, they're all in the same sentence. <laughs> like, you've you got to really listen when he's yelling at other guys, because you can't quite understand sometimes. Yeah. A little bit like, te- like Tikkanen, right? That's a Tikkanen yeah, back in the day? exactly. Right. And it was, but it was great stuff. And the game was outstanding. It was fast. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, it had, you know, it had that bite to it. The goalies were... Frederick Anderson and Tuka Rask were both 
awesome last night. It was a it was a terrific game. So they they really okay yeah they kind of went in on tight on you and Bozak and yeah it looked like Bozak was laughing but it, I thought it was at the monitor but no it was those two guys yelling okay well, I got the monitor it. was us oh 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 on the monitor. okay all right got it <laughs> so I think he he laughed because he saw that we were on the monitor <laughs> right right because they held it for a while they held it for yeah a minute it seemed like well he's well, Bozak is one of the guys that he likes to sit right in that first seat mm-hmm. and he often is looking over at the at the monitor. Right. Um, for uh, when they switch ends for defense, Morgan Riley, if he's there, he's always looking over at the monitor. Some guys don't even look. Some guys yeah. want to look when they had a scoring chance. Yeah. And from either side, like if a if a guy wants to see a replay, sometimes they'll say, uh, "Hey, can I can I see that replay?" And I'll just ask my producer, um, <laughs> you know, can you can you show me the replay again? You don't see it on TV. It's yeah. On a, yeah. On the, it's called an, an ISO monitor. It's just that I see, and so they'll see it, and they can look at the scoring chance again, and um, you know, and, and so maybe the players are happens. the players are the director then, right? Then they're they're they actually, are at that point. They're like, right. we'd like to see this angle. Right. And so the other thing last night, which was, I, I don't even remember the last time, but the clock didn't work. Yeah, I saw. So that. the thing costs about eight to ten million dollars. And so we're in the airport today, and this guy's bitching about the clock, and he's like, well, why didn't they just fix it? I'm like, well, it's a giant computer. You, can, you know, you can't hit it with a hammer. Or, <laughs> exactly. You know, so, like they, they, so, I'm assuming they would have had to reset the whole thing. Right. And could you imagine how long it would have taken to reboot it? <laughs> some, so, G- some Geppetto guy comes out with a ladder, climbs yeah, up. Yeah, and he's climbing all the way up there to move around two bolts. Right, so right. It works like that. Yeah. So – they went without the clock, and it was really bizarre because, like, the guys were, they could see on the underside of the clock, you can't see it from most of the seats, but the low, really expensive seats mm-hmm. and the benches, there are these in, interior TVs that are on the underside of the clock. And they had a little clock super oh, okay. on there. So yeah. that's how the players knew how much time was left. Oh. but. Nobody knew how much penalty time was left. Right. When the period was over, the referees just blew the whistle. It was like a minor hockey game. <laughs> you know, like everybody just stopped. It was really kind of an odd odd feeling. And I'm sure whoever is in charge of the clock was sweating buckets. Oh, Lou. Like, Lou, Lou was all over him. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like it's not like it was a game in late October. Uh-huh. I mean, right? Like, yeah. you know, it would be forgotten. It yeah. was like, what would have happened? Just think, the clock's not working. They're using these secondary measures, and somebody scores a goal with, like, a half a second or mm-hmm. a second left in a period. Yeah. yeah. The team that got scored on would have gone crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and I couldn't have blamed them. No. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, that was weird. I don't, I'm, but they got it working for the third period, and it, it all seemed well. Yeah. No, it was it was a great game. The Leafs swept the Bruins for the first time in a season series since 1925. I couldn't believe that when I when I read that stat. Yeah, I guess, I guess a lot of it is that, you know, you play the same team enough times you're you're bound yeah. to Yeah. In the regular season anyway, um, you know, you get caught on the short end of travel or mm-hmm. you got a couple of guys banged up or I don't know, you lose one of the four games and uh you know, the game so the game's 1-1. The Bruins were pissed about the interference call on Dominic Moore with, uh, I guess it was like just yeah, under three just, minutes yeah, three, left. Yep. And, I, I mean, it, it was interference for sure, yep. but that battle for space goes on all over the place. You know, like where you're kind of fighting yep. for position. Had they not called it, I I don't even think I would have batted an eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. It was a penalty for sure, but that is what happened happens a lot. Absolutely, and, yep. and and honestly, Steve, um, I, I would say five to seven minutes earlier, there was this scrum on the boards and guys were getting pulled down. And, and I said, this is kind of like, like I mentioned it, this is kind of like playoff hockey where, mm-hmm. you know, you just let the guys play. One thing, uh, Ray, that was a thing of beauty was uh, Mitch Marner's pass to Morgan Riley for the opening goal. Uh, Riley's turned it around lately a little bit. Seems to be feeling a bit better. But that pass, oh, that pass was was brilliant. You know, one or two times a game, it seems he does something, Marner, that you know makes everybody stand up and and wonder what's coming next. That 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 
pass was amazing. It's it's probably uh, oh, I guess it's probably fifty five feet mm-hmm. from where he made the pass to Riley, and to get it into the right area through the traffic at the right time is amazing. And then he made a play in the third period where he kicked the puck to his feet out of the cor- like from his feet to his stick out of the corner. Mm-hmm. And what we, the, the game went on, and so we didn't have time to show it. But I remember thinking at that time, like, who even thinks of that? <laughs> right. Like the way the play worked out, it was not like oh, a guy you know was kicking it with his feet. It was like why would he do that? Except it gave him an angle to get out of there and create a play. And I'm like, yeah. he actually took it out of the corner and went back across the seam to Roman Polak at the far point, and Polak had a shot. Uh, he's a unbelievably exciting player. Um, to me, he's he looks like he's a right-handed Patrick Kane. Yeah. Same creativity, yep. same skills. Um, what will be really cool to see is if you go back seven or eight years, the knock on Kane was he doesn't shoot the puck really well. And he worked at it and worked at it and worked at it, and now nobody talks about his shot anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that's the next stage for Marner, because I think he's got 16 goals. You know, like, yeah. can he be, and, and again, maybe this is splitting hairs, but, you know, because the guy's 19 years old, but, you know, I, I think he's got the abilities to be a perennial 30 and whatever assist guy. Yeah. Like, I think he should be able to get 30 goals and whatever he creates assist-wise, I don't even want to put a number on that. But why couldn't that be 55 or 60 assists a season? His, I think it can be. He's got a – he doesn't have a great shot, but I'll tell you, more than a few times this year watching the games, he'll, he has, like, no backswing, and he just – when you think he's going to keep cutting or when you think he's going to go around the net or whatever, all of a sudden he goes, shwink, and he, he shoots at the net. And you're like, whoa, whoa. like he's sneaky that way. He gets, gets these well, shots. Yeah. And, and this, the one thing that's really helped the players, all of them, is the stick technology. And, you know, you get a, you get a stick. We used to get a customized curve. Mm-hmm. They get a customized stick. You know, you can yeah. fiddle around with the kick point, like where the flex is on the stick and – it's become really uh, a science to to help yourself be a better a better shooter. Mm-hmm. And so I would equate this, Steve. Though, like, so I talked about Kane. Remember in Crosby's rookie year, he got his ass kicked on faceoff. Yeah, he was terrible at it. And he said, "Okay, I, I got to get better on faceoff." And by the next year, he was fifty percent, mm-hmm. which is a really a, a really strong improvement. And so the the players like this. They, they know where their weakest points are, and they're so in tune with it. They don't want to be a good player. They want to be great players. And so I, I would be shocked if in the next two years we don't look at Marner's shot and say, well, he's more dangerous from more places on the ice mm-hmm. because his shot is better. Like, I just think it's, you know, you're stronger at 22 than you are at 19 anyway. Yep. He's already got the technique. Um, I, I just I just find out that that would be something he would really dig at. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I had to laugh late in the game. I don't know if you remember this, but late in the game, probably about two, three minutes before the uh, Bozak goal, um, they were in the corner, in the Bruins end, in the corner. Chara decided that was it. Like, they were out, I think, yeah, Leafs had a man advantage. Maybe it was right before the Bozak goal. Leafs had a man advantage. Chara decided, I'm just going to hold the puck here. And, and for about... 15, 20 seconds, he had his stick on the puck up against the boards, and no one could get it out. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. It's just this well, the, ginormous I mean, the guy. guy is, the guy's enormous, <laughs> right? right? His, stick, his stick is like a log, <laughs> and so and he's, inc- he's incredibly strong. So, you know, the, the, there was a play in the second period where he was trying to box out Marner in front of the net, uh-huh. and he probably outweighs Marner by 90 pounds. Oh, yeah. And and what Marner did, which you have to do if you're that size, is you just you don't stop your feet. If if he stops his feet, you know, and he's, yeah. he's trying to hold position, Charles <laughs> going to put him in his pocket. But he kept his feet moving and he, you know, he stays away from the strength of Char. In a close space, you don't have a chance. 
You're not going to lift Chara's stick. If he decides to hold you in the corner, yep. you stay it. there until he decides <laughs> that you don't <laughs> want to be he's there. let you go. Yeah. And the, you know, the way to attack him, of course, is to get him to move his feet side to side so he's got to mm-hmm. be as mobile as possible. That's, I mean, that's really the, the way that you break down yeah. a guy that's 6'9", 260 pounds. It took like three leaves to finally knock him off, and he was just like, yeah. nah, no, nah. no, no, you guys aren't getting like this puck. It's like the big kid at school, right? It's like the grade 7 kid playing basketball right. with grade 5. Um, all right, let's move on from that game. It was a good game, and uh, you had a good seat from it for sure. Three out of four on the weekend. Um, hey, let me ask you this before we move on, because talk about the Chicago game a little bit. And and uh, if you coached in the league, Ray, and we got another question about you moving into the NHL management. By the way, I wish people would listen to you the first fourteen times when you talked about you know moving into management. But anyways, <laughs> um, when do you? I, Babcock is driving me nuts, Ray, especially on Saturday with matching the lines. He's big on that, right? He likes – but he was putting the fourth line out there against uh, the Blackhawks' number one line. And I, I was just like, what are you doing? They're getting overmatched. They're getting overrun. Um, if you coach, would you well, go Would you go strength to strength? I mean, obviously, you're being at home, you have the last change. Um, would well, you, it depends. I, I think every every spot's a little different the, what what he was able to do there is because Chicago plays a four-line game, nobody gets out of the mix. Mm-hmm. Boyle's line played nine minutes or so against Taves. And so you've got Taves with Ponick and uh, the young kid Hayden, who actually scored. And I thought played really good. He's a 22-year-old rookie. They just signed Yeah, I don't know anything about him. i got to be honest. <laughs> no, he's, apparently he's good. Right. Okay. He looks at the Blackhawks fine, you know. Yeah, just another guy. Time. Right, just another guy. Oh, and just another guy. Right. Oh, my God, he's got another good guy. But the, the reason I point that out is Babcock has a lot of trust in, in Boyle, mm-hmm. and he likes that line um, to be able to hold position, you know, like to not give up the zone all the time. And if you can do that for nine minutes a night, that frees up your other lines to maybe get a mismatch somewhere else. So maybe Matthews gets out against their fourth line. Or, um, you know, because Kadri, is, they're trying to play him against Kane and Panarin as much as they can. Yeah. So that's why he sticks to the matchups. and um, He loves them. Sometimes he, it's a, yeah. he loves them. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is you, you try and put your players in the, in the best position to succeed. If, if he's watching the game and he sees that, okay, even though Taves hasn't scored – for the first four shifts against Boyle's line, and they haven't got out of their own end yet. Yeah, which was which is what kind of happened, not, right? No, it basically they turn the game into a neutral zone slog, uh-huh. which they'll take that. They don't. They don't even at that point. Babcock doesn't even care if if Boyle, Martin, and Soshnikov get a chance mm-hmm. to score. He just wants them not to get overrun, right? And they really, and really, they didn't. They they kind of held ground. The puck was in the middle of the ice a lot. Um, yeah, they probably gave up more chances than they got, but it wasn't so terrible that he felt, I've got to get out of this matchup. Yeah. I don't know, man. And so yeah. that that just, well, no, I know, but I mean, you, you know, you'd, you'd like to play, you'd like to play your best players all the time, for sure. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's not a good matchup. Sometimes they just don't have the legs that night to do it. Yep. And, and the way Chicago skates, they use their forwards. They use them all, and you have to use yours all, or else eventually you yeah. run out of gas. Yeah, yeah. I, he Babcock just. I, I was. I felt like I didn't look at the stats after the game or anything. I felt like, what are you, what are you doing? Like these guys are getting worked right here. But they didn't score, so there's that. Um, well, they they actually. I mean, the only goal was yeah. a two on one. I don't even know who was on the ice, but it was it was Taves and Hayden, right? Yeah. I don't think those guys were on the ice then. Yeah, I know. it was a it was a lo- it was a beautiful pass. It was, yeah, Ebrook. like a, that was like about a hundred and ten foot pass <laughs> right on the tape, and and you know so they're Taves and and Aiden have a yeah. have a two on one. It ends up in the net. He he likes his matchups, though. You're right. Yeah, he he sticks with them. Always has. Yeah, always has. Yeah, I was gonna say. So he's always been like that a little bit, huh? Yeah, most I think most coaches today are um, they might not go to a hard match, which means. You know, if player A goes on the ice, then this mm-hmm. guy goes on the ice from um, 
uh, you know, from our team. And so if that's not the – most coaches don't get into that so religiously. Mm-hmm. They'll have a little – they'll have a little bobble. Uh, away from that once in a while. A lot of that's gut feel or it might be mm-hmm. power plays and penalty kills. So everybody's a little different, I guess. Um, when you played, you, you kind of played in the era, and I noticed this just from you know watching the game over the years. When you started, I imagine, Ray, for a long time, uh, you rolled the four, and whatever happened, happened. Um, you know, neutral zone or offensive zone face-offs, defensive zone face-offs, it's kind of – and correct me if I'm wrong, but – it was just one of those, like it's your turn up, you're up, you're going out, and then something. No, no? I, I would say there was, there was, there's way more specialization now. No, I, mean, I know that's what I was getting at. Like it now, but but when we played, like I, I remember a game in St. Louis, for example. I I always remember because it's, it's part of a longer funny story. But <laughs> myself and Paul McDermott and Paul Fenton had been called up from the American League. Okay, we're playing in St. Louis. And um, Bernie Federko's line, which was one of the most prolific lines in the league with Brian Sutter and Wayne Babich at the time, they were on the ice. And we yeah. were scheduled to go on our coach. Jack Evans goes, whoa, I remember this. He's like, whoa, whoa, um, I, don't want to go, I don't want the kids out against that line. Oh, really? So okay. All right. So, yeah, yeah. I honestly, I don't, I guess I was just too young and, you know, dumb about the game, as everybody who listens to the show realizes. Um, I felt like in the, mid to late 90s, guys would jump on for the defensive zone face-off or offensive zone or whatever, and then jump off, you know? But, yeah. They would, so it, yeah. I would say that, I would say around, yeah, I when video started to be a little bit more of a component, when teams could, you know, could pre-scout a little better, I mean, you yeah. got to remember in the, in the 80s, I mean, there was no real yeah. pre-scouting unless, like, our scouts... We would we would go into a playoff series and we would have scouts that would scout the the team we might be playing mm-hmm. and they'd give us reports on them. Yeah, like we didn't have video to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, it was exactly. all written. Right. It was like, hey, Gretzky right, likes now, to go to his right. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Super. <laughs> you know, like that's what we had. It's not like. Yeah. And then once video became more of a. Mm-hmm. Uh, easily accessible, the coaches would break down video. You could watch power plays and penalty kills, much like it is today. Yeah. Except today, of course, it's it's advanced oh, it's, hundredfold. Oh, from, right. Like it's it's insane the way these guys. It's almost as a player, it might be hard to get into games. I mean, obviously, outside of the superstar guys, they're getting ice no matter what. But if you're one of these third, fourth guys, um, you're almost. Uh, I think it would be difficult to get into the flow of a game because you're on, you're off. Get off, get off, get on. You know what I mean? Well, sometimes it's like that. And you get pissed off at the coach. You're like, yeah. seriously here. <laughs> right. You know, I, I played eight eight minutes tonight, and I spent four and a half of it jumping on and off the ice. <laughs> right. You know that those are frustrating I, nights for sure. I remember, you know, when the Bruins started putting Steve Casper on Gretzky, it was like the biggest thing ever. You know, it was like. Right, and Casper used to follow him around. Right, right. <laughs> it would drive Gretzky crazy because Casper wouldn't even try to play the puck. Yeah, he was just follow yeah. Gretzky around, and when Gretzky got the puck, he'd poke it off his stick. <laughs> Toronto had a guy, Jerry Butler. Yeah, Jerry, I remember he, him. He yeah, the same thing. Was he? Okay. He would just, it's like he almost didn't need a stick. Yeah. He just followed him around. You know, and that was their role. That's what they were supposed to do. That was... That was a way that teams tried to shut down the very best players. It would have sucked if you were that guy, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would be boring. Um, never get to shoot. All right, so another thing I'm wrong about then is, is the... Yeah, I just chalk it up. Um, did you, speaking of Gretzky, did you call him about the fantasy camp? For me? Uh, yeah, I mean, he must have changed his number. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. I, the, the... Or, or, or I call, I'm not sure. Right, <laughs> either one. Uh, the MVP race, um, I kind of thought for a long time, like, oh, I think it's McDavid, he's, he's leading the league in scoring. At that time, he had a nice little uh, buffer, uh, and then here comes Crosby, he's turning it on, and obviously, Brent Burns now um, is, is you know, if he leads the league in scoring, which he's not far off, i got to check today, I didn't actually look at t- it today. Um, yeah, he's, he's, okay, we'll get to him in a sec, but yeah. he's cooled off. Yeah. Uh, and now, and then, of course, Marchand has been on fire. He's got uh, like one and a half points per game or something since January. So, like this MVP race, where do you stand on this? Who should get it? Uh, I know you hate the fact the season's not over, so you don't. You know, a lot of things can happen. But um, where do you yeah, stand on but this? I, I, I'm, I'm still McDavid, and the reason I think that is try and 
imagine the Oilers without Connor McDavid. Yeah. And and they're I mean, Patrick Maroon's got twenty five goals, more than double his career high. Right. Um, you know, McDavid's leading the league in scoring. Um you know, well over a point a game. Yeah, he's two up uh, on Crosby and Marshawn. Yep. Yeah, and he's played. I mean, the the one thing Crosby's played seven less games than, You're right. than those guys. Yep. You know, I mean, Crosby's having a, a fabulous year. Forty goals. He's the only guy with forty goals. But when Crosby's not, this is going to sound stupid. But when Crosby's not there, Pittsburgh still has a chance because they have Malkin. Mm-hmm. If McDavid's not there, the Oilers. Yeah. Don't have a chance. Drysaddle's good for sure, but yeah, he's yeah, not McDavid. Not, not, <laughs> no. And so uh, for me, um, you know, uh, Nikita Kucherov would be a guy I would I would throw into the mix as well. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to win. Right. Um, to me, the 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 MVP right now. My my first two are easy. It's McDavid and Crosby mm-hmm. uh, for my three finalists. And right now, I would say the. The three guys I would consider for the last finalist would be Burns, Marchand, and Patrick Kane. I mean, Patrick Kane's got 32 goals. He's he's three points off the league lead in scoring. Yep. yep. Like it's it's an amazing year again for him. But I don't think there doesn't seem to be the buzz around Kane that there that there needs to be uh, for him to get enough votes. Burns has kind of cooled off. He's yeah. Yeah. He has now down to. You know, he's a dozen points behind uh, um, McDavid. McDavid now. He, I mean, he's not making that up. Yep. And so I don't. I don't. I think he's Burns is a finalist for me in the Norris Trophy. Um, I don't think that's a that's a question. Him and Eric Carlson are you know are, are yep. two guys that are that are finalists in that for me. Yeah. Um. But I'm going to vote McDavid. I mean, your original question was MVP, yep. and yep. I, I'm going to. I would vote McDavid. Right. Um. I would too. Do you have a vote for anything? Broadcasters, anything? Yes, I do. Which one? Yeah, I do. Um, let's see. I vote for MVP. Oh, okay. Hart, oh. Norris. Oh, uh, I thought you guys see. just. Hart, Norris, I thought you guys Elke, just got one Bay, vote. And uh, what's that? Sorry? I thought you guys just got one vote. I thought like uh, GMs vote on one, no, broadcasters vote on one. Okay. No, I, uh, there's five. So it's uh, or I think it's five anyway. I'll get the ballot right, mail right. shortly, but. Um, uh, as the season winds down, of course, but the Jack Adams for Coach of the Year, and then I think uh, Hart, which is the MVP, yeah. um, Calder the rookie, Norris defenseman, and um, Selkie. Yeah, I know the GMs forward. vote on the Vesna. I know that. Um, so you don't get the vote well, on yeah, the lady. You know what? I don't. I don't even really know. You know, last last year. Um, was my second year doing it, and mm-hmm. so I I think it changes a little bit from time to time oh, okay. which one you vote for. Yeah. So the ballot will show up, and right. I'll throw my five candidates in for each. Uh, so if Sid passes McDavid in the six or seven less games, um, you're still going to go with your theory on where would the Oilers be without McDavid? I think so. Yep. I mean, well, I mean, well, you'll have to make your again, vote. It, will you make your vote it, public on our show when you do it? Well, I don't care. Okay. I, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any restrictions about making the votes, uh, or that the vote has to be right. private. No, I um, I'm. So, yeah. I'm. I have no problem. Um, you know, people aren't going to like who you vote for from the city of the player that you didn't vote for. <laughs> I, I get that. Right. You know, I get all kinds of crap tweeted at me about Malkin not being in the top mm-hmm. hundred players. But, yeah. Because yeah. people don't quite understand it was a. It was a aggregate vote they, they're ripping me they have no idea who i voted for <laughs> i know I none of them good. even asked before they started ripping me i right. beat it i voted for malkin like it so i got one right and <laughs> i got i think i got 80 84 of the hundred I yeah think. yeah we, we like covered that. this in you a know? podcast a while back and yeah, it was but I'm just yeah. like holy crap people but anyway yeah, yeah i don't have any problem with my votes going public i yeah. Do the best you can. Some guys you like. Some guys you, you. Some guys it feels a lot like you're splitting hairs. Yeah, really, right? I know. How about the guy in like 2000 uh, when Theodore won the MVP? He tied with Iginla for the heart, and then but some guy left Iginla off the top ten of his top ten, and that that tie break. Yeah, that, honestly, 
that guy should lose his voting. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like, like this is why I, I don't have a problem with, um, uh, with the votes yeah. for our list being made public. Was that if you have something so egregious mm-hmm. that it's either personal or you're not paying attention, then your vote should go elsewhere. Yeah. You know, the, um, the like, Baseball Hall of Fame is public privilege. next year, right? Did you hear that? The baseball guys are going oh, to be public. Finally, because yeah. that's, that's, a, that's been a quagmire forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, I, I don't have, I don't know why people would be cautious or nervous about their vote. Right. Like, I asked to vote, here's my ballot. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, still on the switching over to the Oilers from McDavid talk. So they're going to make the playoffs. Congratulations, Oiler Nation. Great job. Um, and the Flames are going to make it too, which is cool to see. Both Alberta teams are in. Um, I'm, I'm not one of those flag waving Canadian guys. I live in, I've lived in America almost as long as I have lived in, um, in Canada or, or as long. And Donald Trump is, is my leader down here. But, um, <laughs> um, by the way, what? On my on my political aside for the week. Yes. <laughs> did you see yesterday the senator? I think he was from Texas, questioning the FBI director about if Trump or his people wanted, or if the Russians wanted Trump to win. Mm-hmm. Why does that mean they wanted Clinton to lose? <laughs> So the FBI director looked kind of stunned, and he's like, well, it's a two-person contest, and they're really interchangeable. If one wins, if you want one to win, that means you want the other one to lose. So the guy rephrased the same question, and he said, okay, let me give you an example. The Red Raiders are leading. I didn't see this. I didn't see this, no. Oh, it's outstanding. I mean, if it wasn't politics, and this is a senator, you'd go, this is really funny. Like, this, this, is, this is a Saturday Night Live skit. This is a Saturday yeah, Night like Live there's skit. Only, right. There's only two teams. If you root for one, that means, by definition, you want the other to lose, isn't it? So, anyways, that's my political effect. I, uh, back, I, to, uh, yeah. back to your seven Canadian teams. In yeah, the- so I'm not a huge Canadian flag waver guy. Like, whatever, it's fine for me. Um, I do think the Canadian teams want to be in the playoffs, but I'm stoked. I, I'm, I think it's, it's a better... And I'm maybe I'll piss off some American listeners here, but I'm half American almost. Uh, it's a better league when the Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal are in the playoffs. I'm sorry, it is. It's just great. It's it, the passion is is unbelievable, and these teams, uh, you know, they have some awesome rivalries from from for a long time now. So it's great. I'm happy they're well, going to be in. Like last year, certainly watching the playoffs up here, where there's yeah, you know, there no no games. Um, you know, I mean, there were games, but no games involving Canadian teams. It pulls the air out of what is an economic engine for the league, too. Yeah, that's true. And what it right. Yep. And so that that really hurts the players in the long run because that money doesn't go into hockey-related revenue, which now increases their escrow in the following year. So it's it's kind of from an economic standpoint, it's important that there is some Canadian content. Yep. From a league standpoint. I don't know essentially if it really, you know, the league's successful if there's teams are successful around the league. But there's no doubt that if seven teams from Canada don't make the playoffs, it's not <laughs> right. it's not a great year for the league. No, nor and is so, it nor is it great uh, for Sportsnet either. <laughs> yeah, no, that that probably doesn't help them either. <laughs> no. But you know the. Now you've got, you know, the Canucks aren't going to make it. The nope. Oilers and the Flames are going to make it. The Jets aren't going to make it. Montreal is. Ottawa likely is. Yep. And um, and Toronto, I would, I think, are going to make it. Oh yeah, we're in. So we're in. Now you're sitting there with five. Yep. And I mean, I don't know if for the Canadian markets. I mean, it's possible that Ottawa and Toronto play in the first round. It's, or Montreal and Ottawa play in the first round. It's possible that Edmonton and Calgary play in the first round. That would just be so great. So you're going to lose two of those teams right away. Yeah. Yeah, but that's but fine. But be, they're in. You know. Yeah, it would be outstanding for for the league. Now, the, the Oilers have climbed to within four of San Jose. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah. They have ten games left. They have two with the Sharks in San Jose. Oh, I didn't final. know that. Okay. So, the, oh, it's on. It's going to be on. Um. 
Are you worried? Well, we got a, We got an email question. This is, this actually worked out well. Cause something I was going to ask you. Uh, this is from Chase. Uh, question for Ray. Wondering his thoughts on the workload on Callum Talbert in Edmonton. He's been stellar all year and seems to be in shape. But are they burning him out before the playoffs? Cam Talbert has uh, the highest percentage of a team wins, I think, since uh, Kiprasov in that uh, run that Calgary did in 04. Um, again, their backup goalies have one or two wins now. Gustafson has one. Brassant has the other. Um, I was a little bit surprised they didn't pull a veteran for the deadline, but they're running with Cal- Talbot. And are you worried at all, Ray? Um, I'm not worried that he's going to tire out. Um, I would be concerned about his long-term health, mm-hmm. um, only because the stress and strain on your knees and your hips in that position is, I mean, it's well cataloged at mm-hmm. this point. Um, I was surprised they didn't get a, a veteran guy to back up only because, A, it would have been nice to get Talbot a day or two off, and maybe if they get into a position where they're not fighting for their playoff spot, although I, I think they're going to be fighting for it for the rest of the year because Edmonton, Anaheim, and Calgary are one point apart. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see how that's going to change. Yeah, yeah. Um, if he gets hurt, they're screwed. Yeah. Because yeah. you have a totally inexperienced backup in uh, Laurent Boisseau. And he hasn't played. I mean, not only is he inexperienced, he's been practicing for a month. He hasn't played. <laughs> yeah. because Talbot yeah. plays all the time. Um, Talbot, to me, by the way, has pushed his way into one of the finalists for the Vezina Trophy. Really? Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Ama- yeah, he's been good. He's having an amazing year. He's got 37 wins. Um, you know, he faces a billion shots on a lot of nights. He's been terrific. Just think, three draft picks. And um, that's what they got for, or that's what they gave up for him. Yep, nine twenty-two save percentage. Um, Terrific year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why does you, you touched on Patrick Maroon and his doubling his career high? He plays with McDavid. They've tried a lot of guys, and I don't know, Ray. I kind of threw this on you without telling you, but um, why does Maroon work? Why do you think he works with McDavid, and other guys don't? Like uh, the Eberly thing, never really caught. Um, why does Maroon work so well? Well, I. I would say there's a couple of reasons. One is that Eberle needs the puck uh, to be effective. He's a, you know, he likes, likes to handle it. He's a stick handler. He's a, um, you know, he needs the puck yeah. in the middle of the ice. So if he needs it, that means McDavid doesn't have it. Bad choice. Mm-hmm. But it's tough to just completely change your game. It, it, it's almost impossible, really. You are what you are at this point. Patrick Maroon doesn't need the puck. He gets the puck, he gives it to McDavid, and then he skates in a straight line to the far post. I'm going to go to the net, right. And he's 235 pounds. Yep. When they forecheck and the puck's in the corner, Eberle wouldn't be able to get the puck as readily as as Maroon. And when Maroon gets it, he can bowl his way to the front of the net. That opens up some space Mm -hmm. for McDavid. At the end of the day, those things really matter. But it wouldn't matter if Maroon had concrete in his gloves he's got some pretty nice hands yeah for especially for a really big guy yeah and so when he gets chances around the front of the net he can finish and so i i think part of this is kind of like one of those years where everything fits just perfect for maroon mm-hmm. but he's taken this opportunity to play with mcdavid and he's he's run way over the goal line with it all credit to him he's had a had a terrific year but it works better than the example you mm-hmm. gave, which was Eberly. Yeah. And and Dreisaitl, by the way, big. He's good in the corners. Like when he gets the puck, he can hold it. Yep. And he's an excellent passer. And so, so there we the go, right? Yeah. Moved around. The, the puck gets moved around pretty readily. And again, McDavid needs the puck. Dreisaitl can survive without it. But when he gets it, he can move it. And Maroon doesn't want it outside <laughs> right, 15 right. feet from the net. Yeah. So that works. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting combo. You, not a guy I would ever think be like, yeah, let's try him. But clearly it's working. Um, hey, uh, Jack Eichel has been on fire lately for the Buffalo Sabres. And I've found myself, Ray, so you know you have center ice package and you're watching the games. And I, I put on a lot of uh, – let's assume the Leafs are not playing, of course. I put on the Oilers games. I put on Winnipeg Jet games. Um, you know, when you, I put on any game that's in OT – I'm just uh, automatically going there. But I found myself lately going to some Sabre games uh, to see Eichel. And I don't think we, meaning the fans, not you, 
we don't maybe talk enough about this guy and his skill set and his skills, and Buffalo's not going to make it. Um, but, and of course, Eichel missed a lot of time early in the season with that ankle sprain. But, hey, this just in, right? He's really good. Like, he's really good. Yeah, he's a terrific player. He can speed. He can really shoot the puck. He's got a, he's got a big, long reach, and so he can take and collect the puck from a long ways away, and he can just deliver it so quickly. He's an electrifying player. I mean, the reason I guess nobody's really talking about him is he missed so much time, so that put him out of the scoring lead, and, mm-hmm. you know, where he would generate a little notoriety. And then the Sabres are out of the playoffs again. Yep. And so you know how that goes when you get into – you know, into February, nobody's really focused on the team that isn't in the playoff race. The only way you would really notice is if Eichel's numbers had just pushed him into the top ten of scoring, and you and you didn't have a choice but to notice. Yeah. So he's getting buried a little bit um, by being on an anonymous team this year. Yep. The Sabers, I I would say, have been one of the disappointments this year. They they need defense. They could use another couple of forwards. Like they're growing, but I thought they would be a little, a little bit mm-hmm. better this year. He's good. He's good. So that's all I got. That's all I got to yeah. add. <laughs> yeah, he can. Uh, he can. Uh, he can do a lot of things with the puck. He's a dangerous, dangerous player. Um, Matthew Kachuk uh, made his father Keith proud with that elbow on uh, on Drew Doughty of the LA Kings. Two games for that. Um, it was bad. It was vicious. I, I say he makes him proud just because Keith was a. He was a rough player, right? Like, he was not scared to to uh, rough it up. Yeah, but, but it's different. You know, like, I, I think Keith would understand what he's doing, but he probably gave him crap for yeah, it. Yeah, it was, it was vicious. You know, but, like, yeah. it, was, it was a bad play. And had he kept both hands on the stick, mm-hmm. he can be sold as one of those reverse hits and going to get the puck. But right. He takes one hand off and he drills him in the mouth with an elbow. <laughs> right. And, and it, I mean, I, I don't even know how you try and defend that. Yeah. Well, I thought, I mean, two games is fine, but I, I was a li- if they wanted to give him more, I'd almost be okay with that. So, Yeah, I, I guess on the books, first defense, you know, he, sure. he got away with a couple of really gray, almost charcoal gray plays early in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he kicked out the feet of, yeah, he slew-footed Brandon Davidson. Davidson actually got hurt. Um in one of the first Calgary Edmonton games, and they let him off. You know, he got a warning, I think. Um, so it's not like he's a repeat offender, but he's whatever the next level is down from mm-hmm. that. That's where he is. And, you know, so I, I guess first suspension, two games is it, but now he's on the carpet for 18 months as a repeat offender. Yeah. Keith's probably delivered an elbow or two to you over the years. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, a- probably. I mean, he was not a pleasant guy to play against. No, no, not at all. No, and he was so big and so strong, and um, you know he was mm-hmm. he was hard, hard guy to play against. Um, Ray, is it? It's so hard for me, and, and you're, I know you're going to tell me, you know, I'm an idiot and whatever. I get it, but I cannot see anyone but the Caps or the Pens who may meet in the first round. Uh, perhaps the Columbus Blue Jackets won't go away. They'll meet in the second almost for sure. I can't see anybody how the Caps and the Pens don't don't make it out of the East Division, the the, the conference. I don't know. Well, it, it, well, okay, let's, let's assume, because we're going to do that, that the playoffs started just like they are today, right? Yeah. Like the, like the standings yeah. finish like yeah. they are. Yeah. So Washington would play Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Col- yeah, Columbus would play Pittsburgh. Yep. Montreal would play Rangers. the Rangers, and Ottawa would play Boston. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for giggles, let's say... Columbus beats Pittsburgh, which could happen. Uh, no, I don't think so. But okay, we, we'll give you Pittsburgh. Okay. Okay, because I'm going to build you a case why okay. they might not. So we'll, we'll say Washington beats Toronto, which would crush you. Yeah, Pittsburgh it would happen. Yeah, I like, I like caps, caps on that one, though. Yeah. Okay, so Pittsburgh beats Columbus. Mm-hmm. The Rangers and Montreal, who do you like? Um, I honestly think I like the Rangers right now. I, I, I do. Uh, I, I don't disagree, but right. 
we'll we'll leave that as a pick 'em. I don't okay. even know who yeah, I Yeah, no, pick. it's it's close. And Ottawa sure. Ottawa Boston. And Ottawa wins. Um, and Ottawa is gonna I'd pick Ottawa to win that series. So now you've got Washington, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and you've got Rangers, Ottawa, or Montreal. Montreal, Ottawa, right. Okay. So say it's Montreal, Ottawa, and Washington, Pittsburgh. So whoever comes out of that other series, right? Mm-hmm. Whichever team, Washington or Pittsburgh, and Montreal wins. What if Carey Price is the first star four times in seven games? Yeah. I, do they have this? I mean, it, yeah, I guess they don't need the scoring. No, I was going to talk they, about they, the scoring. You don't right? need, you don't yeah, need you don't it. Need, what you need is to be great for 10 days. Yeah. And that's what makes winning the Stanley Cup just amazing, is that for each 10 or 12-day segment, you've got to be better than the guy that you're playing against every day. But the other guy might have a might have a career two weeks, and you're out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the best teams. The yeah. the four best teams in the Eastern Conference are all all in the metro. Yeah, they're all in the metro. Yeah. I mean, it's a probably an outlier year like that. But mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, if you're anybody but the teams that have to play them, you only got to beat one of them, right? If you're if you're in that two three series in the Atlantic. You only got to beat one of those Metro teams. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to beat each other up, right, by the time you reach They're going to beat right. each other up, yeah. and you just you just want to be the, the team standing there. So, yeah. you know, if, you're, if your boys can get into uh, into third place and then play a series against Ottawa. Yeah, one game in hand, one game back, by the way. Yeah, yeah they could the, – the Leafs could beat Ottawa. I mean, that would be a pick em series. Yep. Now they're in the now they're in the semifinals of the conference. So you're building a case for the Leafs. I like it. I'm in. I'm on board. I'm building a, I'm building a case for how somebody could get through the Metro without right. having to play all of those teams, which yeah. would really suck. Um, these Blue Jackets won't go away. They're eight and two, and they look dead. Uh, two weeks, not dead, but two weeks ago, I was like, okay, yeah, they got third. You know, uh, Pittsburgh is putting some heat on on the Caps and. Here it is. This these guys they don't they don't go away. Well, I would say Columbus three weeks ago was kind of where Minnesota is now. Mm-hmm. They'd gone through an amazing stretch. They won sixteen in a row, and then they stumbled around for a month and a half. They were right around five hundred. Remember, Minnesota was up five points on the division, nine points on the division. Are they nine? No, they were up five points in the division on the Blackhawks a month ago. Now they're seven. Seven down. down, yeah. You know, and and so can Minnesota find their game in the last eleven? Columbus looks like they have again. You know, and that's yeah. why you know the comparison is each team was hot, then each team got cold. Columbus has come out. Mm-hmm. Will Minnesota come out? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Columbus will be a tough out. Columbus will be a really tough out mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, uh, and yeah, your guy Quenville, your ex uh, teammate Joel Quenville, he's done another great job, another great job. They look great, and every year they every year they've got to chuck a couple of guys yep. over the side of the boat because they don't they don't have enough cap room, and then they they've drafted well, and then Quenville moves these deck chairs around all the time. The players are. Their lines are being shuffled all over the place. The only line they kept together this year was Anisimov, Panarin, and, and Kane. And Kane, yeah. And then, you know, they move all these other guys around. Eventually, they kind of find, okay, these are our lines. And until Anisimov got hurt, they were, you know, they were pretty solid. It was going to be Anisimov, Kane, and mm-hmm. um, and Panarin, Panarin, and Ponick, Taves, and um, Schmaltz, who had done a really, really good job uh, for them. And Marion Hosa drops down to their third line mm-hmm. uh, with Ryan Hartman on the other wing, and then they move around either Tanner Carroll or um, Marcus Kruger as the third-line center. And you're like, well, there they are again. Yeah, You know, yeah. they traded Andrew Shaw to Montreal for two draft picks, and Ryan Hartman is, has done everything that Shaw used to do for them. Yep, they draft well and they fill up from underneath. Their scouts must do a terrific job. Yeah, and Hartman's a guy that they've been waiting on. He's well seasoned in the AHL. You know what I mean? They're finally, finally breaks through, and there's probably some other guy I haven't heard of coming up. 
you know, that's been been down in uh oh, for sure. They got a they got another guy, another college guy, another yeah. you know, they'll find a free agent. And when you're a good team too, you also get you you know, fifteen teams or eighteen teams were trying to find uh Artemi Panarin. Panarin, yeah, including the Leafs, by the way. But Panarin looked around, and they sold him with the opportunity to play with Kane. Right. They said, "Hey, well, when you're a great right. team, you can make that you can make that sales pitch." And the Blackhawks have it. Yep. Uh, do you see anybody uh, in the Western Conference? Uh, St. Louis is six up um, on the Kings. Is that the is that the is that your eight teams right there? I think the West is settled. Yep. Um, you know, St. Louis has a game in hand. They also have um, an easier schedule. They've got Arizona twice more, I think, and Colorado mm-hmm. once. Um, you know, they're they're what are they six points up now? Yep. So they're. Uh, I, I think they're in the clear. And L.A. looks like they're just. L.A. just got swept in in Alberta. Yeah, the yeah. tires flat. Yeah, you know, they got four flat tires right now. <laughs> I just I don't see how they. So <laughs> this goes back to what you, you were saying. Ben Bishop's on the bench. Their, their big deadline pickup. How's that going? Yeah. Got a taller guy watching <laughs> right. with, with with a ball with a ball cap on. I would have I would have I would have understood the move a lot more or a move a lot more if it would have been for another forward. Mm-hmm. But you know that this is this is what they decided to do, and um, they're going to have to rejig that lineup in the in the off season. They they've got. You know, I mean, they scored. They've scored. What have they got here? I'm just looking. 175 goals. Only Vancouver and Arizona and Colorado have scored less mm-hmm. in the in the Western Conference. Jersey too. So they're fifth from the bottom in offense. That's just it's just never going to get it done for them. Paul Pocky podcast with Ray Ferraro from TSN. Uh, please get it on iTunes, get it on Stitcher, and uh, yeah, leave us a review. Listen, thank you, appreciate it. Uh, before we wrap it up, a couple of small things, Ray. Uh, Shane Jones, Shane Doan, and uh, Jacob Chikrin. I don't know if you saw that in warm up. Uh, they nailed it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, did you? What's your worst warm up story? Do you have one? Uh, not where I got hurt. Okay. But um, my first pro game, I'm in the American League. And one of our veteran players, a guy named Lou Franceschetti, who was oh, a yeah. one-time lead. Yep. We were in Binghamton, and Lou had played there the year before, and he was talking to the somebody. Well, I think it was a Zamboni driver, but he was talking to the, somebody <laughs> at the Zamboni entrance. Okay. Um, no helmets on. Right? Yeah, right. So my first pro warm-up, I'm so excited. I take a shot. It goes off the crossbar and hits Louie in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> and he has to go for stitches. <laughs> and so he comes in, he was furious right after he got stitched up. And he's like, who shot that effing puck? And, of course, I didn't say anything. I was 20 years old. <laughs> I didn't tell him for 25 years. <laughs> you finally broke it to him one time on a face-off yeah, when he's with the Caps. Remember, and, said, remember yeah. he got, I'm like, remember when he got hit in the head and warm up? Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm like, that was me. Hey, that, the, that would have been the that, ultimate that, chirp. That, that if, hurt. That would have been the ultimate chirp if you guys were like on opposite teams and you were scrumming. Hey, remember that? Yeah, remember that time? Um, I was uh, I was a little nervous with that one. That's for sure. Well, it's amazing. We saw Taylor Hall, of course, trip on a puck and get a skate in the head a few years ago. It is amazing. And if you ever go down and watch a warm up, which I've done a ton, like there's pucks zooming everywhere. And dudes are just chill. They got the hair flowing. It, it music's playing. You know, it might be the best part of being an NHL player, by the way. Um, that part yeah, where, where no, you know you that's feel one of them, right? Um, it's amazing. It doesn't happen more often, huh? Yeah, there there is some. It's almost like a play. Okay. You know, everybody's got kind of their roles. You kind of go in the same place all the time. At the, you know, I I don't even really know why it works to be out there without a helmet with. You know, thirty pucks on the ice is really kind of stupid, but I never wore a helmet either. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, really, right? You just I yeah. Didn't, I didn't want to wear it. Um, hey, do you want to talk about the Coyotes and Gary Bettman writing the letter? And I mean, do we like whatever? Uh, uh, let it go. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> let us know when know they're moving. Just, just take yeah. them. Yeah. Let me know. Or let me know when it's all settled. Or yeah. You know, I mean, everybody's got a theory, and you know, how does it even? How is it even possible that they're even in business still? This thing falls through again, and quite frankly, I've I've stopped following the story mm-hmm. because I don't know. I don't know 
and I don't have enough energy to find out (laughs) exactly what the next step is going to be because it all seems to be the same. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day. I hope it works. Yeah, I hope it works. I, I hope they can find a place to play on the side of town that they want to build a building in. I just, whether you got the money or you don't, mm-hmm. and and I don't, you know, yeah. I don't, so I don't own a team. That's that's what I do know. I love the Gary Batman letter, though, and everything. Yeah, okay, Gary. Got it. We've seen this act before, you know. Well, I just, <laughs> I don't know that, that that letter went over quite so well. <laughs> right, Exactly. Um, question uh, on Twitter from uh, Rod Blanchard. New rule, Ray. If a shot on net from the far side of the red line is deflected out of play by the goalie, should it be a delay of game penalty? What I'm curious about is what would make him think of this question? I don't is know, because how many times does it happen? What are we thinking? I was like, say, is, it, is it such a scourge on the game that we've got to <laughs> get rid of it? Right. Yeah, no, I, I, can't, I can't. Sorry, I can't. I can't get on board with this. I mean, five times a year. I don't know how many. T- I don't know how many times I've seen this. I don't. Yeah, it, doesn't, it must have happened in a game he was watching, and he thought it was kind of goofy. But right. I don't. Yeah, you know, I can't. I can't. I can't get on board with it. I am on board with the uh, delay a game for shooting it out, even though probably what seventy five percent of the time it's by accident. Um, you know what I mean? Like as far as that. Well, I guess hundred percent of the time it's by accident. The guys know it, but I mean, back in the day, if you got in trouble. You would just you just shot the puck forty rows in the stands, right? Every single time, like Jamie McCallum was a master of it. He was an absolute right. master just of it. Plays dead. Everybody changes. You're fresh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I get when the time you're under pressure and you go to clear it off the glass and you shoot it over the glass and teams think it's unfair. And these are NHL players. The glass is ten feet high. Mm-hmm. I would rather rifle it off the glass and take an icing call than risk getting it up in the last foot right near the top of the glass. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it happens, and it goes over, and that's the way it goes. Right. Uh, to recap last week's podcast, so the, the national women's team that uh, is, was threatening to boycott the, uh, uh, the World Championships in Michigan um, with USA Hockey, they were battling. And, of course, this is something close to your heart as you're married to Cammie Granato, NHL Hall of Famer, uh, one of the all-time greats. It looks like, Ray, things are they're, they're talking a little bit. Um, there was obviously some media stuff exchanged through both sides, but I, I think I saw yesterday, the day before, that they had some productive talks with USA Hockey. Well, apparently they talked uh, past eight hours yesterday. Oh, okay. Yep. And um, <clears throat> which is Monday, uh, and they're going to meet later in the week. So you would think that if they were in the same room for eight hours, that they had to be making some common ground. Otherwise, somebody would have got up and left. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm hopeful that that means that they've made some progress, and by this time next week, that they've come to some sort of agreement that the the women feel have addressed their concerns and that they feel good enough about going forward because this is not just about them. It's about the girls that are coming next and they're trying to rebuild a template that is broken, outdated and needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. seems like it's, it's good. Talking is good. So, um, that's a, it is. Yep. I mean, it, it doesn't. It doesn't always mean that it's going to be smooth or right. um, that everybody's going to agree. But they got to get in the room. They got to lock the door. They've got to talk. And hopefully, you find. We've seen this with the lockouts that, unfortunately, our league has had. That you, you have to hope that these long marathon sessions provide at least a, a road to get on. Mm-hmm. That you can find what solution might be. All right, Ray, you are in Boston tonight to call the uh, Senators Boston game. Do you I imagine if you do a team back to back like you're doing with the Bruins, it's you probably feel like you're like you, you you can have a really good game as far as an analyst is concerned because you literally saw them last night. You can kind of say, "Hey, this guy did this last night." Does it matter to you? Does it help you to have two two games oh, in two nights? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Way easier. Right, right. Way easier um to now I've just got to worry about one team, really, which is the Senators, except I watched them probably 55 of their 72 games yeah, this yeah. year because, right. you know, because I pay attention to them close because I do them, do them a lot. So it's, uh, this is, this is um, as far as prep-wise, um, mm-hmm. uh, this is a, an easy type of game. 
It's yeah. almost not as easy as you get into a playoff series and you do the same teams mm-hmm. six times in a row. I mean, you don't even have to worry about anything else. It's just the game that you watched in front of you the day before. Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely right. Are you doing uh, NBC Sports uh, playoff rounds? Is that, do you know? I uh, hope you do. I haven't, uh, haven't finalized anything, and um, I think a lot depends on how many series are available to NBC. Are they going to broadcast eight, six, mm-hmm. five, seven? Who knows, right? Right, right, right. So uh, I have to just wait a little bit. Okay, all right. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Ray. Thanks for the time. Thanks for, uh, you know, really uh, making us all smarter about the game of, of hockey today. I feel like you did that. Well, I don't know about that, but, you know, well, it's enjoyable, and I uh, hope the people still are liking listening to it and uh, let us know, fire in some questions, and uh, rate it for sure, and keep listening. All right, perfect. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. Have, have fun tonight with the Sens and Bruins, and uh, we'll talk next week. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Have a good one.